This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. For, for the very first time during the 2023-2024 New York Mets offseason, we've got some moves to talk about. The Mets had a very active Wednesday evening on November 29th. They finally did something. And there was going to come a point where we as Met fans were going to lose our mind. Because I know we need to be patient. I know long, I know the MLB offseason is a very long, drawn-out offseason. But when you start to see other teams make moves, you start to get jealous. And where it hit me on Wednesday was when I saw all the Dylan Cease rumors. And you never saw the Mets connected to him. And I started to say, I want a pitcher. I want a pitcher. We know the Mets are desperate for starting pitching. We know that should be the focus of this offseason. So get me somebody. And they finally gave us somebody. Very soon after we signed off the air on the afternoon program, I saw a little text in the Mets text chat I'm in that said, the New York Mets have signed Luis Severino. And for those that are loyal podcast listeners to the Rico, they know that's my guy. That's one of my targets. When I was putting together my plan for the offseason, he was one of the names. When we were talking about adding starting pitchers in the middle of the season, that was one of my names. And let's go back to last year before Severino had that abysmal 2023. That was a name I brought up last year because I thought, and I was wrong, I admit, that Luis Severino was going to have a huge contract year for the Yankees in 2023. I thought this was going to be the year now, a few years removed from Tommy John. He pitched well in 2022, but missed time to injury. This is going to be the breakout. And then I thought the Mets were going to sign Severino, but as the almost 30-year-old ace kind of addition. I was wrong about that because obviously Luis Severino had an abysmal 2023. He missed time due to injuries. He comes back after missing the first month. He has that horrendous run of horrible starts where he became unpitchable. Like, I admit, there were times where Luis Severino could not get the baseball every five days, but the Yankees continued to give him the baseball every five days. Then he showed a pulse, and this is forgotten about, but he showed a little bit of a pulse in his final few starts before he had the lat strain that closed it, or not not the lat strain, the oblique strain that closed down his season over the final month. So he had a bad year. So my pivot went from, we're going to have to give Luis Severino $100 million And that's going to be my big free agent move to, hey, Luis Severino fits that high reward, low risk section of free agency. And that was the first move they made. A one-year, $13 million contract. We all know he was bad last year. So the jokes will be made. How could you give this guy $13 million when he had a 614? I think it was higher than that. 655. Wait a second. Higher than that. 665 ERA. But here's why it doesn't matter if we're being fair about this discussion. Every pitcher is going to get paid. It's about years, not about money. And they gave him a one-year contract. And I remember when we began this offseason, I said the Mets need to add three starting pitchers, and I still believe that. And I categorized them very specifically. I said I want my potential ace, and that's clearly Yamamoto, who the Mets are still going hard after. More on him later. I want a reliable innings eater, which I envision Kyle Gibson being that guy, but Kyle's already off the board. He signed with St. Louis. We know how mediocre he is, but I wanted the kind of the reliability of innings. And then the third bucket was my most intriguing bucket. 
And that was the guy who, in a perfect world, could turn out to be a star. But in an unperfect world, may make seven starts. <laughs> and we barely see him. And I admit that. That is the risk of a Luis Severino. That's the risk of the third bucket. That third bucket was high reward, low risk. Understand you may get nothing out of him. Understand that's a possibility. Like, there are going to be a lot of Yankee fans that are going to talk trash to us over the next few days and mock and say, oh, Luis Severino, he sucks, as if we don't watch the Yankees. We watch the Yankees. We pay attention to the Yankees, at least a lot of us do. Like, no one's going to argue that Luis Severino was brilliant in 2023. He wasn't. But sometimes I'd rather sign the guy off the bad year than the great year. Because I'm going to give you an example, and yes, if you want to use this back at Yankee fans when they trash talk you, you're more than welcome. I'll give you a guy who's about a year older than Luis Severino. I'll give you a guy that, in my opinion, his best seasons were not as good as Luis Severino's best seasons. But the difference is timing is everything. And if your best season comes upon becoming a free agent, you're going to get paid. But you may have the same track record of not being healthy. It's just time-wise may have worked out differently for you. And you know who that person I'm referring to is? Carlos Radon. That's who I'm referring to. Carlos Radon's best season, which was a great year, and I could put Luis Severino's best season up against him, happened to occur in a free agent year. And that's great for Carlos. Because of that, he got a mega contract from the Yankees, and if he didn't get it from the Yankees, he was going to get it from somewhere else. Luis Severino's a little backwards because his best seasons were years ago. And he also hasn't pitched a lot. I mean, really, the biggest knock on Luis Severino is not he hasn't pitched well. That's only last year. That's the only time you can use that argument. Over about a seven-start stretch last year, Luis Severino was terrible. There's no denying that. But over the course of his major league career, he's been good when he pitches. That's the concern. That's the caveat. And yes, I go into this move eyes wide open. Is it possible Luis Severino makes 12 starts next year? Absolutely. That is a risk. And that's why he can't be the only guy you add. That's why he's not the centerpiece of my offseason. But I like that component. I like the component of the guy who in 2017 and in 2018, which feels like a long time ago, and in a lot of ways it is, was a dominant pitcher. I like the guy who even in 2022, when he made his starts, not a lot of them, but when he made his starts, was damn good. I like that. And I like the risk reward on this contract. And that's why I've been very consistent about this, whether this works or doesn't work, or you want to agree with me or disagree with me, obviously fair game. But the one thing you better give me credit for is being damn consistent. Because when it comes to Luis Severino and my pursuit of him, and thinking he'd be a good fit for the New York Mets, this goes back to last year. And I'm glad they got this deal done. And when I saw it was done, I was very excited. Pete, did you share that reaction? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, obviously, I'm I'm happy for you. Congratulations on getting that deal done. Uh, clearly, Stearns and Cohen are, are Rico Bronya listeners. I mean, that's obvious. But here, okay, let me just back it up a little bit because a lot of people – see me uh, first of all my my twitter is very sarcastic i know a lot of people think i'm serious and they get a lot of hate for that so i apologize i do have a little seriousness though factor here severino is a fine fifth starter i'm not gonna sit here and complain i do get flashbacks of Dylan Patances. that's not ideal but listen it is what it is i understand where you're coming from what we've seen from him in, in previous years, when he's at his best, he's an ace. So if we could find any ounce of that, whether it's 12 starts, whether it's five starts, it would be amazing. My, my problem is there were so many rumors today going around, flying about who's in on Yamamoto, who's in on all these other pe- people, and the Mets finally make a move, and it's for a fifth starter. And we haven't heard anything else. That scares me. Well, so the way an offseason works, and I, and I know this freaks us all out, is it doesn't go in any particular order. You know, I think sometimes, like I'll use the NBA free agency as a great example. 
in NBA free agency, all the stars sign, right? So all the superstars sign. And then the following few weeks, the second tier guys sign. And the NFL is very similar. Like right away, the stars are off the board. And so it goes in order based on talent in a lot of ways, generally. And baseball is not like that. So sometimes when you make one of your smaller moves at the beginning, it can be construed as, really, that's it? No, no, it's a big picture move. The Mets need to add three starters. I think we've agreed on that when we've talked about what they need to add. And I think we were on the same page of, yeah, they're not going to be three of the same level guys necessarily. Like you're already starting this offseason with Kodai and Quintana in this rotation. We both agree we don't really want there to be a competition for the fifth spot in the rotation or sixth spot in the rotation. Sixth spot, I guess I'd be more open to a competition, but okay. We don't want there to be a competition for a fifth spot in the rotation. So go out and add three legitimate veterans. They're all not going to be on the same level. Like the Mets were never going to add Yamamoto, Nola, and Snell. It wasn't going to be those three guys. So the order of it can sometimes be, that's it? No, no, it's not, that's it. And trust me, if that's it, I'll join you in being mad. But that's not it. That's one piece. So we need to get off of the order of it and stop freaking out and realize there's a big puzzle that's being created here. If Luis Severino fits the bucket of high risk, or I'm sorry, low risk, high reward, he's the perfect guy for that. I think he is. Like, if you looked at the guys that kind of fit that, the guys who haven't been great the last few years, not getting the Radon contract, they're going to get a one-year make-good deal. Another guy who I would put there is Jack Flaherty. If I gave you the choice between Jack Flaherty and Luis Severino, would you not choose Luis Severino? Because I know I would. No, I'd choose Severino 10 out of 10 every time. So don't freak out about, well, that's it. Because no one's suggesting that's it. This is the first move. And that's the way you got to view it instead of Luis Severino, he sucks. No, no, no. It's you got to sign three guys. And I believe the Mets are going to sign three guys. Who those three guys are going to be, we're about to find out. I'm good with the first one. Obviously, there are more questions that need to be answered. The only issue is, and it's not a big issue, because, again, we're talking about a fifth starter here. We're not saying, oh, my God, this is the ace of staff. We're not pulling like a, hey, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander coming in for a year. This is going to be the guy we rely upon. No, I understand he's the fifth starter. But now you're already saying that we're bringing somebody with a huge question around him. Can he stay healthy the entire season? So you're going to have to, like, I think I heard St. Louis is still in the mar- on the market for more starting pitching. Don't yeah. they have a five-man rotation ready? Like Severino comes with that caveat as well. You still need a backup fifth starter. Well, no, no, you you need more arms. Absolutely. But let's take a deep breath. All Met fans need to do this. And I understand if there are those out there that are not as bullish on Luis Severino, that's fine. Maybe you think this is like a guy who will never come close to repeating what he did in 17 and 18. And maybe he doesn't. That's certainly on the table. But you got to look at every piece one step at a time. Like the Mets made another move on Wednesday in which they signed Joey Wendell. Now, I know the way Met fans and some baseball fans react. You start sarcastically attacking Joey Wendell. Joey Wendell, he's... St- it's one move. Like, it's it's November of a long offseason. The Mets went into these moves with 28 guys on their 40-man roster. Like, they're going to sign utility players. I don't think anybody views Joey Wendell as the opening day third baseman. I wouldn't. I think we mentioned Wendell, too, briefly when we talked about third base options. And I think we mentioned him for like 30 seconds. You have to go back into the archives of Rico Brillian. It's only a few weeks ago, so it's not that long ago. And we talked about how, hey, offensively, last two years, he's kind of gone south. He had that good year with Tampa Bay in 21. Versatile guy, he could play anywhere. But my point is, before we get into actually talking about Joey Wendell, is that move in some quarters will be met with sarcasm and that's your big move? No one's suggesting that's your big move. No no one's suggesting that. Does, does anybody really think that's it? Like, okay, they signed Joey Wendell and Luis Severino and the offseason's over? No one actually thinks that. So there's a lot of pieces that are being put into place. And yeah, I admit, sometimes, and this is the challenge, I guess, of reacting to everything that happens, though I love doing it, there's a big picture. You know, 
I love the Severino signing today because I assume there's going to be three more. If I'm wrong and the Mets had no one else, then we'll view the Severino signing very differently. If all of a sudden Carlos Mendoza is like, yeah, Joey Wendell's our everyday third baseman, we'll view the Joey Wendell signing very differently. So sometimes it's tough in the midst of an offseason to react to things because you don't know what the bigger picture is. So I'm assuming, and I think I'm assuming right, that the bigger picture is these are two smaller moves and there are still bigger moves to be made. No, I, I agree with that. And again, like again, the, the, the sarcasm that I do throw out there, it's just more of like, I understand how to build a house. You have to, you know, you do the core first, like, right? You, you, you can't just put the roof on and expect, right. okay, there you go. But I don't really want to, the, the building the bench first and the moving up from there, it's kind of, there's so many bigger fish to fry. I get it. And well, here's the other thing too. Again, yeah, like, yeah. and back back to the fact is, and, and this is something that we're going to get into, the lack of rumors with the Mets connected to anybody of significance, it scares me. It's either good, it's a good thing or a bad thing. I have two. I have two ways to look at it, and that's we'll get to it. I promise you. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Yeah, so I think the way you have to look at rumors, and I, at this age, I'm 40 years old now, and I have loved the baseball offseason since I was like eight. So I think, what is that, 32 years of loving the baseball offseason? Obviously, it's evolved over the years. There was no Twitter when I was eight years old. But I'm at the point, and I don't know if this is necessarily bad for the Rico or bad for what we do on the radio, I am. I have now become immune to rumors. Rumors annoy me because rumors don't mean anything. What matters is action. What matters is what happened. And so I know that when we're searching for news and we're searching for information, we hear reportedly Yamamoto prefers the West Coast. Reportedly, the Yankees are holding out a number for Yamamoto. and. I'm not telling you or anyone listening you shouldn't care about that stuff because, look, if you love baseball, you love any information you can get. But I'm at the point of I'm done with rumors. Just tell me when the moves are made. That's where I'm at. Because a lot of times, and you're kind of hitting on this, there are good organizations that aren't linked to rumors. They just go make trades. My dad used to tell me that as a kid about Joe McElvain. He said that especially a Joe McElvain, and obviously this is before social media, there were no rumors. It just happened. There were no rumors about Keith Hernandez being traded to the Mets. It just happened, and it's a stunner. And I'll give you another one where there was no rumor. I'll, I'll give you a more recent one. 
Mike Piazza, there were no rumors about him being traded. It was Mike and Chris screaming about it on the radio, but there were no links to it. So sometimes rumors don't mean anything. Now, I understand where you're coming from, where the Met fan says, hey, we're not linked to this guy. We're not linked to that guy. What's going on? And and the ones that matter more to me are not Juan Soto, because I wouldn't trade for Juan Soto personally. And I know that some Met fans disagree with me about this, but I'm just not. I don't have the appetite to 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 trade a significant part of my farm system for a guy that is a clear rental. He is clearly going to free agency. It is plain as day. And I want to sign him next year. I'm not telling you I wouldn't. Let's go. But I don't think trading for him gives you any kind of significant advantage. So I have to look at it as what am I willing to give up for one year? I'm not interested in that. That's just me. Starting pitching, I, I kind of feel the same way about. You no, know, unless the package is not extensive, I don't want to trade for Shane Bieber on a rental. I don't want to trade for Corbin Burns on a rental, but I do want to trade for Dylan Cease. And the Mets have not been connected to Dylan Cease. So I could see Pete or anyone else saying, hey, that kind of annoys me. The Braves are linked to Dylan Cease. The Braves, we need Dylan Cease. That doesn't mean they're not interested. Now, once Dylan Cease is traded to the Atlanta Braves, will I be Angry may not be the right word, but will I be upset? Of course. Like, I want to be linked to Dylan Cease, or I want to really be into Dylan Cease. But rumors are rumors. And the good organizations, the ones that know what the F they're doing, and I don't know if the Mets are there yet. I hope they get there. I hope David Stearns can make this a competent organization. A competent organization isn't linked to every freaking rumor to appease their fans. That's what the Wilpons used to do. Oh, we're linked to this guy. We're linked to that guy. Who gives a shit? Go sign the guy. Go trade for the guy. So this isn't a defense of the Mets. This isn't a prediction of what they're going to do. This is like a warning, a friendly kind of reminder. Rumors don't mean a damn thing. They don't mean anything. So don't get upset about them. Don't get happy about them. Don't do anything to them because they don't mean anything. Luis Severino signing with the New York Mets. That's a story that means something. Well, and and that's one thing I will say is Steve Cohen, since he's come in, think about all the signings that have happened with the Mets. They just happened. You go down the list, Lador, the trade just happened. Out of nowhere. Great point. Great point, by the way, Pete. No rumors. Uh, I mean, you talk about Scherzer. You talk about, even though Scherzer, there was a little buildup for that, like, 24 hours. But it was basically, he signed with the Mets. You know what I mean? It wasn't official, but pretty much done. That's basically what's happened with Steve Cohen. So for that point, part I look and say, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. The, the, the less rumors, the better. But it still just makes me nervous when I hear Yamamoto wants to go to L.A. Well, Yamamoto wants to go here. Bothers me. Yeah. So here's the deal with Yamamoto. Clearly, the Mets are interested. I mean, clearly, the Mets are really, really aggressive. Like, I think one of the reactions when you see Severino sign is, oh, how does this impact Yamamoto? It doesn't. Like, there are three tiers of starting pitchers. I laid it out earlier on what I think they're going to go after, what I would go after. Yamamoto, to me, and if this concerns you, I I totally get it. He may be the one ace, quote unquote, that they're going after. I think that's fair. And if that's a worry for Met fans out there, totally get it. And I'd agree with the Mets, by the way. Because if they don't sign Yamamoto for whatever reason, and I assume they're going to be the highest bidder, I feel good that they're going to be the highest bidder, doesn't mean they're going to get him. Guy could go to the Dodgers, guy could go to the Yankees, guy can go anywhere. But I think the Mets are at least going to give their best attempt at it. But if they don't get him, who is the other quote-unquote ace you'd want to go after? There's nobody out there for me. Now, I mentioned trading for a guy like Dylan Cease, if you want to call him an ace. Yeah, I look at him as a guy who can be an ace. He certainly was a year ago or two years ago, and he's a reliable innings eater, and he's got team control. So I'm a big fan of going after him, and I'd put him as the other option. But outside of that, you know, Jordan Montgomery, is he an ace? No, no not really. Is Eduardo Rodriguez an ace? No, not really. But I'll tell you this about Eduardo Rodriguez and Jordan Montgomery. They'd be damn good additions. They'd be damn good pivots. But if your bar, because I know you even said to me and you tweeted it out there and I called you out on social media, you said, I have to lower my expectations for this offseason. Well, that's really about what your expectations are. If, and let's put Otani aside, 
Let's put them away for a second. We're talking strictly about starting pitching, which is the main focus of this offseason. If they don't get Yamamoto, not because they got outbid, but they don't get him, and their pivot is Jordan Montgomery and Eduardo Rodriguez, let's just say, they end up with Montgomery, Rodriguez, and they have Luis Severino. And those are the three starters they add. Is that disappointing? Is that a bad kind of hole for starting pitchers? Uh, I guess the hype of Yamamoto is disappointing. The hype of Shohei is disappointing. So in that sense, you don't get that top-tier pitcher. So in that way, I'm a little disappointed. That's a de- but, but you know what's crazy, man? And maybe this is where the difference is going to be between all of us, really. It's up to everybody. I think that's a pretty freaking good haul. Like, if they added, and the three starters they add, hypothetically, are Montgomery, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Luis Severino, that is not bad. I mean, I, and then you pair that with Senga and Quintana, you're right. Like, maybe there isn't an ace in that group. Like, I'm not going to argue with you, but you got a lot of damn good two threes in that rotation. And that's a pretty capable major league rotation. And obviously, there are other questions about this team next year offensively. That's a kind of a different subject. But as far as the pitching, which has been the priority on all of our minds since they made the decision to trade Scherzer and trade Severino, that's a pretty good haul of an offseason. I think their goal is clearly Yamamoto. I don't think there's any doubt. And they are going hard after him. And there's an appeal of Yamamoto that that guy can be an ace, that that guy can be, let's say, the best pitcher in baseball for a period of time. Like, that is certainly on the table. And so that's why me and everyone else, we're all in agreement that they should be going after him. We're all in agreement that they got to go hot and heavy for him. But we also have to be in agreement that if it's not him, there's a drop-off. And the drop-off is kind of like nothing you can do about. Like, it's not a drop-off of... Well, you should go after this guy. Well, what are the guy? Do you want to go after Blake Snell? Like, we don't want to go after. Do you want to go after Blake Snell? No, no, a hundred percent. No, not at all. If, if that's the off season, if the off season turns into Blake Snell, Severino, and you could even name Montgomery on that, I'll be like, that's a, that's a disappointment. I would not want that. I don't want. I don't want to. He- like, good good for Blake Snell for having two Cy Youngs, but I think he's a little overrated. We talk about the the downside of Blake Snell. It's not wouldn't wouldn't work here. Yeah, no doubt. I, I like the flexibility, too, with the Severino contract. Like, let's say Luis Severino uh, hits a grand slam this year. You know, he is what I kind of thought he was going to be in 2023. Okay, sign him. Resign him. <laughs> you know, I, I think the Mets have shown that, yeah, it's a one-year deal. Yeah, he could have a career year. Yeah, he could, wa- he could work himself into a $100 million contract. That is not crazy. And the proof of that is Carlos Rodon. That's the damn proof of that. Luis Severino has one good year. He can walk away with a five-year, $120 million deal. That's on the table. Go do it. You go do it. A, it helps the Mets. It gives this team a chance to win in 2024. And then B, maybe you re-sign him. A couple of things uh, more about Luis Severino, and then we'll get to some of your reaction. He has not pitched a lot. Like, Let's keep that in mind about him. So in 2018 and 2019, Luis Severino was very, very good. That was the year in which he was third. I'm sorry, 2017, 2018. I don't want to get the years off. In 2017, he was third in the Cy Young voter. Had a 2.980 ERA, made 31 starts. He follows that up in 2018, pitches uh, 32 starts, 3.39 ERA, top 10 Cy Young voting. He misses entirety of 2019, makes three starts. He misses the entirety of 2020. He has a bunch of setbacks in 21 coming back from Tommy John. Finally comes back final few weeks of the season, pitches six scoreless innings. Good, but barely pitched. So think about that for a second. Over a three-year period of 19, 20, and 21, he made three starts and threw 18 innings. That's insane. 2022 makes 19 starts for the Yankees and pitches damn good. He was he was very good in 2022. 19 starts, 3180 ERA, a whip right at 100. But you started to see the issues that he was having with the Yankees. Disagreeing about 60-day IL stints, disagreeing about coming back from injuries. There seemed to be uh they didn't seem to like each other. Got gets pulled with a no-hitter. Remember that one? Final stretch of 2022. 
Then he comes back last year and misses the first month of the season. Gets hurt right out of the gate, which was a warning sign of, hey, maybe this contract year is not going to go as well. Has a couple of good starts. And then it all started against the Dodgers. It was actually the weekend where Aaron Judge got hurt. He starts throwing batting practice. And it was unexplainable. Like, his velocity wasn't down. His spin rates weren't off. Like, there was no reason, and there really still is no reason, to explain what the hell happened. The reason why it's so mind-boggling is that Luis Severino in 2022 made 19 starts. He was fine. He barely pitched in 2021, didn't pitch in 2020. When he pitched in 2019 briefly, he was really good. Was great in 18, was great in 17. So we're talking about a guy that had never struggled. Like, you got to go back to 2016, his first full year in the major leagues when he struggled. He hadn't struggled since. So this was really unique what was happening last year. He was getting his ass kicked, and he had never gotten his ass kicked in a very long time. The forgotten thing about Luis Severino at the end of last season was that it appeared after the Yankees continued to run him out there all the time, he started to straighten himself out. He had a start against the Washington Nationals in late August in which he pitched into the seventh inning and allowed one hit and no runs. He follows that up with a start against Detroit in which he goes seven scoreless innings and eight strikeouts. He follows that up with a very mediocre but not disastrous start against the Houston Astros. Then he's facing the Brewers, is pitching reasonably well, four innings, two runs, five strikeouts, and then the obliques. So Luis Severino, over his final, let's say, five starts, was pitching well. Now, does that erase how bad he was before that? No, we can't erase it. But there was at least a positive direction for him. And then, unfortunately, he misses the final month of the season. But just kind of harping on how he barely pitched, in the last five years, five baseball seasons, he has made 40 starts. That is a ridiculously known low number. In the last five seasons, he's thrown 209 innings. That is a ridiculously low number. So you want me to give you a positive out of all that? Because I can. I can give you a negative. The negative is he's barely pitched. What, what can you expect from him? That's the obvious negative. And I've warned it, and I put it out there, and yes, should not be surprised if Luis Severino makes nine starts because he strained his oblique. It's absolutely on the table. But here's the the stretch positive. You ready for the stretch positive? Please give it to me. <laughs> guy, guy has no wear and tear in the last five years. He's barely pitched. <laughs> he's, he's barely been out there. Like, that's a positive. Guy hasn't thrown that much. And usually you want to see yourself kind of slowly build up your workload. Well, 100 innings in 2022, 90 innings in 2023. He's all primed for a good 150 innings in 2024. So I like the signing. Did any of that convince you, by the way? Did that get you pumped up for Seve baseball? I mean, listen, I, I I like Severino. My biggest issue is that he just can't stay healthy. That's it. When he's when he's when he's pitching, he's pretty much great. But I again he he had a very short run when he was amazing, and ever since then he's just been he just hasn't been healthy. So I mean listen, again, I'm not knocking it as far as a fifth starter. I hope he is turns into an ace because uh, he has that possibility. So it's funny. I tweeted out, I love this move. I think that's what I tweeted, something of that nature. Oh, I just wrote, love it. So didn't attach anything to it. Just love it. I could love anything. I could love my drive home. I could love the fact that Cam Thomas is back for the Nets. I could love a lot of things. Everybody knew I met Luis Severino. And I'll read you some of the responses. The Yankee fan thinks Luis Severino is a piece of crap. Like the Yankee fan is the one saying, you're a moron, this guy sucks, this guy can't stay healthy. And most Met fans were pretty positive about it. And look, to the Yankee fan, I I hold no ill will towards you. I get it. Like, I get it. I I know how we feel if there's a Met who was with us for a long time, who had not been healthy in a while, who hasn't shown you what Seve showed you a long time ago, I totally get that guy leaving and you feeling or we feeling, F that guy, he stinks. I hope you deal with what we dealt with. Totally respect. 
But the Yankee fan, you like, I didn't get one tweet from a Yankee fan saying, you know what? That's a good move. <laughs> it was basically, I'm going to bookmark this so I can prove you're an idiot in the middle of June. The only person I think I saw who was a big Yankee fan that approved it, I think Keith, but your old, uh, your old friend C Mac. I'm pretty sure he gave it a thumbs up, like a good move on, on that. Oh, there you go. Big Mac being very fair. I appreciate that. All right, here are some responses. Santo writes, high risk, high reward. High risk, high reward. By the way, I, the risk is what? The risk is you wasted a rotation spot? Like, is that the, is the risk, hey, if he doesn't pitch, I, I'm forced to use Tyler McGill. Is that the risk when Santo says high risk? Like, is this isn't high risk. I mean, $13 million for one year is not high risk. No, and again, it's years. It's years, it's years, it's years. It's about years. A five-year deal is high risk. A four-year deal is high risk. A one-year deal is never high risk. Anyhow, high risk, high reward. This is totally fine if the Mets had two more guys who are better than Seve. Jordan Montgomery, Eduardo Rodriguez, Yoshi. Yoshinabu Yamamoto. Are we going to start calling him Yoshi, by the way? I know we haven't used his first name a lot, but it is Yoshinabu Yamamoto. If we get him, are we calling him Yamo or Yoshi? Does he have like a Yoshi ball that he throws? <laughs> That'd be great, though, right? That would be great. Thank you, Santo. Uh, Chimp something writes, enjoy the lat strains. Clicked on his profile, Yankee fan. Bob Casey writes, we'll come back to this in June. Clicked on this, Yankee fan. Cool K writes, good luck in those 12 starts. I clicked on this, Yankee fan. <laughs> Singing Wolf, oh man, I'm bookmarking this one for sure. I look back at that, Yankee fan. Jeff Lickstein writes, I love it if the Mets have a second-year team option. Don't give a guy 13 off that year guaranteed unless you get a team option. He does bad, he makes 13. He does well, he walks for a big deal. Mets need team option as benefit for the big guarantee. I would agree with you if you could have gotten that. I don't think you were getting that. I think that's just kind of a one-year deal. Joey Sanchez writes, Sevy is awful. I hate this signing. <laughs> Epic writes, if this is love it, then you have set the bar very low, and it looks like maybe Montgomery. I really hope more, but nothing with the Mets goes right, even with Steve Cohen's golden egg. I love it is not a low bar. I love it is here's one piece of a rotation. That's what I love about it. One piece of a rotation. Chris Barney has it right. There are no bad one-year deals. He has a huge upside. Dude, I completely agree with that. I've always been a fan of, yeah, it's a one-year deal. JJ Jet writes, I love it too. He's the Mets headache now. <laughs> Mike with the beard was the only person that did not understand the tweet. He wrote, always with these cryptic posts. I have to go searching now. Thanks. <laughs> Nestor's Apple writes, you won't like this after a few weeks. JoJo, another Yankee fan, writes, in three months, Evan Roberts, I promise you, you'll be complaining about this signing. He has not pitched a complete season since 2017. And when he pitches, he gives up three to seven runs and in three innings pitched. Come on. More like the WFA and listeners will love this because we get to hear you cry some more. <laughs> wow. Thanks. You like this because I'm going to cry. Look, what JoJo wrote in the middle of his tweet is inaccurate. And we just proved it. Most of his career is not giving up five, six runs. He had a stretch of games last year, and it was a significant stretch. I don't want to downplay it. He had a stretch last year in which he was awful and almost unpitchable. But overall, when he pitches, he's real good. Anyhow, your thoughts on the Severino sound, you can obviously email us to RicoB at gmail.com. Second move they made, Joey Wendell. Let's talk about it. Joey Wendell is getting $2 bucks, according to Mark Feinsand. Joey Wendell is a fine, acceptable utility player. Joey Wendell, I guess in a weird way, has a Severino-esque feel to it in that for, uh, two years ago in 2021, Joey Wendell was an all-star. And Joey Wendell was an acceptable, more than acceptable baseball player. He was a starting caliber player. He was playing every single day. But Joey Wendell over the last two years in Miami, and we've got to see it, we've had a chance to see it up close because he's played enough, has really gone backwards offensively. Very much has gone backwards. He doesn't hit for pop. 
He hits for a very low batting average. He doesn't get on base. So the redeeming quality that Wendell has is that he's versatile and he can play numerous positions and that maybe there's the hope that he can regain a form that he once showed. But I got to be honest, my first reaction, and, and a few of my friends in the Mets text chat disagreed when I said this, but it was my first reaction. And I'll throw this at Pete. We'll see if Off agrees with me. This feels like a downgrade compared to Luis Guillorme. And the reason I say that is because, yeah, Joey Wendell has that one year in 2021 where he was pretty damn good offensively. And look, it's probably more than one year because in 2018, he was very productive in his rookie season. So I guess it's more than just 2021, but that's the more recent one. But over the last two years, he's gone backwards offensively. He's not nearly as good defensively as Luis Guillorme. Uh, Luis Guillorme supplies that versatility that Joey Wendell supplies. And here's what's crazy. Over the last two years, Luis Guillorme has been as good, if not better, offensively. The knock on Guillorme, I'd say, is that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And that's a legitimate knock. But Luis is like four years younger, and he's cheaper. So do you agree with that opening reaction that I had to this signing? Uh, I don't really 100% because I think Joey Wendell is somebody who is just a, you know, a solid player again two million dollars we're not talking about a lot here is he an upgrade over Luis Guillorme I wouldn't say he's an upgrade but I, I think these are the guys that where it's like it's almost like a bullpen guy you bring him in for a year maybe this is the year he bounces back and it's like a good test run but here's the thing is this is kind of why again did you have to rush out and go sign Joey with him was that a desperate move you tell me there was no one else better to fill that utility role well, it's not, it's not a desperate move. It's more, you know, we want a backup middle infielder. You know, I, I would say it's the opposite of desperate. It's probably they preferred him because right now you still sort of have your pick of the litter because a lot of guys haven't come off uh, free agency. So it's more, hey, we like him. Let's identify him. Let's go get him. Well, it's not a move. Could... It's, go ahead. Well, all right. So one thing I haven't discussed with you at all about the the changes that they've had in the organization in the past few weeks with, you know, analytical scouts, all that stuff. So clearly they're honed in on certain people because they have not agendas, but they have their people that they, they feel fit their, their, their mold. So if that's what it is, if that's what we're going to get, if they're going to see these type of people, because the, the people that David Stearns has brought in from Houston and wherever else, then I, I guess that's fine. I guess I'll take their word that Joey Wendell fits their mold of what they want as a utility guy. Look at you. You're giving the benefit of the doubt to the brand new front office. Eh, I don't like Joey Wendell, but you know what? They like him. We'll see. <laughs> let's let's go from there. So those are the two moves the Mets made on Wednesday, November 29th. And there are more moves on the way. That's for sure. Because there's a lot more moves this team needs to make as they try to fill out their roster. A couple of things. And, and you touched on it earlier. And that is the lack of attachment to trade rumors and free agent rumors. The only thing the Mets have really been attached to is, yeah, they need starters, and they're really, really hot for Yamamoto. My confidence level on Yamamoto is at about 30%, and that may sound really low, but it's not. And the way I'll explain it is this. Every team seems to be wanting to acquire him. There is an insanely robust market for him. And it makes sense. He's 25 years old. So even if you're a team that doesn't think they're going to win next year, he's 25 years old. You think you're going to win in three years? Because at that point, he's 28 years old. So it makes sense why any team in Major League Baseball, and every team could use pitching. Like this isn't one of those, well, I have a catcher. I'm not going after this guy. No, it's a starting pitcher. Even the New York Yankees, who employ the most reliable starter in all of Major League Baseball in Garrett Cole, would go after Yamamoto, and they should, because you never have enough starting pitching. And it is so unique to have a free agent starter at the age of 25. We have seen position players this young. We're going to see it with Juan Soto in another year. We've seen it with Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. But a starting pitcher that's this young? So the reason why my confidence is at 30%, and it's not as low as it sounds, is you are talking about everybody in baseball going after this guy, or at least close to it. 
while I'm confident the Mets will make the biggest offer, the more teams you have involved, the more competition you have, the more competition you have, the more likelihood there is that one team, for whatever reason, whether it's relationship with a player, whether it's geography, whether it's I like this city, they have a chance to get that guy. They have a chance to convince that guy. So even when you're the highest bidder, it gives you a, the best chance at somebody. It doesn't guarantee it. So I'm at about 30, 35% clip. There's no team I put higher than that, though. It's not like I'm saying the Yankees are 50% or the Dodgers are 50%. I'm saying I feel like 35% for the Mets. I feel 30% for the Dodgers. I feel 28% for the Yankees. So it's not a huge difference, but I would lean that the Mets have the best shot, but not against the field, not against every team in Major League Baseball. What I want to see from this owner is I want to see them be the highest bidder. That's it. Simple as that. Because at the end of the day, if you're the highest bidder, you did everything you could to get the guy. I don't want to hear, well, they weren't the highest bidder enough. Eh, We got to stop with that. Like, if you're the highest bidder, you went out, you offered the guy the most money, he didn't want to take it. So that's what I want to see. And And I mentioned this on the radio the other day to Tiki. I want them to be the highest bidder on Otani, too. We have to stop accepting that Otani's not coming here. Now, he may not come here. I don't think he's going to come here. I don't think any of us think he's going to come here. But you still have to try. A part of the appeal of having this billion-dollar owner is that you're always going to try. And if you lose because Otani wants to be in California, good, God bless Matt, you know, that's what I say. God bless him, but you got to try. So the key here with Yamamoto is be the highest bidder. If he has a love affair with the Yankees, so be it. If he has a love affair with the West Coast, so be it. And I get it. What do the Mets have? Other than money, what do we have? The relationship with Kodai Singh? We don't even know if they're friends. Well, we're just making assumptions. That's all we're doing. What do the Mets have? They don't have a history. They don't have the nearest championship roster. So all we have is money. We have to offer that. We've got to hope he loves Kodai Senga. And if they get him, I think the complexion of this offseason will feel so different for all of us, even the most negative types like Pete Hoffman. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, and I'm not negative. I'm just a little realistic at times, which is disappointing. But that being said, um, talk about realistic here. What happens if the biggest move for the Mets this offseason is that they just re-sign Pete Alonso? What if that's the top move? Because that's a possibility. If Yamamoto goes off the board, Otani, Soto gets traded to the Yankees or wherever, what's the next big move for the Mets? Why it's does pretty it, much why okay, so here's my question to you. Why does it always have to be the biggest? Why? Not every offseason needs to have that. Now, that doesn't mean, again, I want them to try to get Otani. I want them to try to get Yamamoto. But I want to give you a specific example. If they don't get those two guys, why do you have to go do something big for the sake of doing something big? You have to do what's smart, not what's big. Well, when you're missing three-fifths of a rotation, that's the Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I didn't say don't build a rotation. I even said to you earlier, you miss it on Yamamoto and you go get Jordan Montgomery and Eduardo Rodriguez. That may not be big to many. Is that good? Did you fill out a rotation? I think that's okay. It's a pivot. I prefer Yamamoto, but I'd also prefer that than doing something stupid like trading all my prospects for a guy who's on a one-year rental. No, I, I don't. I'm not saying do that. I've never said to do is that. Is that big, I though? I want too. you to answer me that. If they got Montgomery and Eduardo Rodriguez, is that big? It's 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 not finished product. Well, you, you finish your rotation, at least in the short term. Yeah, you finish your rotation, but we've done it before. It's it's backfired. That, that, there's just too many. Yeah, but what what does me- that mean? Like, they, they it backfired when they went after 40-year-olds at the end of their career. Jordan Montgomery <laughs> and Eduardo Rodriguez are not at the end of their careers. Now, they're not Hall of Famers. They're not no. elite. I'm not saying that they are. But I guess what annoys me with what you said is big thing. It doesn't have to be big. I Look, Otani Yamamoto, I'm with you. Go try to get them. If they don't get them... You shouldn't do something big for the sake of doing something big. 
No, I, I'm, I'm not saying do something big to do, just to do it, but like there's other options that they could do. And, and I just think that there's so many. I heard today someone make a rumor that the, the Mets aren't a Juan Soto away from winning the NL East. And that bothers me because I feel like there are a lot of. Okay, just hold on. Hold on. Andy Martino can be <laughs> annoying sometimes. That is his opinion. Okay. I don't want to go after Juan Soto. I've made that very, very clear. I'll make it clear again right now. It has nothing to do with not being Juan Soto away from winning the NL East. So even if Andy Martino and me have the same opinion on something, we didn't get there the same way. I got there my way. He can get there whatever the hell way he wants. My way is not telling you they're not Juan Soto away. What I'm telling you is Juan Soto is 1,000% getting to free agency. Do you agree with that, by the way? I, I do. I do. However, if if the rumors are, which I'm not sure where they're at, I know that they want Volpe or Dominguez. Those, those people, the names have been thrown in there. Yeah, top prospects, I'm not giving for it. But if you just talk about a couple lower-level prospects. It's not going to be lower-level prospects. I, I don't see it. I, I be, If I'm wrong, I'll admit it. I don't think you're getting him, if you're the Mets, you know, for Mark Vientos and Christian Scott. If that's if that's what you're asking, like yeah, I, I if would, that's I would the do offer, that. fine, go trade for him. <laughs> but that that's not the case. But but, but hear me out on this. Juan yes. Soto is going to be a free agent. Yes. Now let's not get lost in Yankee fans are strange to me. In one breath, they're very negative about their franchise, but then the next breath, they have this confidence that they're going to sign Juan Soto to a five hundred million dollar deal as soon as they trade for him. That is not happening. No. Juan Soto. Will maybe trade it to the Yankees, and that cannot make you nuts if you're a Met fan. By the way, in fact, it should give you pause and give you a, a little bit of excitement because the Mets are going to try to sign them, as they should. If they don't get Otani this offseason, which I, I guess I don't think they are, of course they're going to be in on Juan Soto, and Juan Soto is going to be there for them, whether he's traded to the Yankees or he's traded to the Mariners or he's traded to the Mets. I don't buy for a second that there is any advantage whatsoever on trading for Juan Soto. My opinion. So here's what now, at least if you agree with that premise I have, he is going to be a free agent, and he's going to the highest bidder, and he prefers the East Coast, right? All that has been out there. Great. Fits the Mets, fits the Yankees. Everybody's happy. But the key word is, he's a Scott Boris client. He is going to the highest bidder. I don't want to hear any more from Yankee fans tell me, but, but if we trade for him, he would never leave and come to the Mets. Kiss my ass, he would. He'll rent in the Bronx. He'll buy in Queens. I ain't worried about that. In fact, trade him to the Yankees. I mean, why, why would I be scared? But what I don't want to do is fall victim to what we need to trade for him. If you can keep your young pieces to either develop or trade for someone else, and you can trade, uh, I'm sorry, sign Juan Soto outright as a free agent. That's what appeals to me. So don't get lost in one guy's opinion. One guy's opinion may be they're not a Soto away from winning the division. They may not be a Soto away from winning the division, but they could be a Soto away from winning the World Series because all you got to do is get to the postseason. But I don't want, and I totally get, by the way, a Met fan who says, but Evan, it's worth it for one year. You're right about free agency. You're right about highest bidder. But I want that one year of Juan Soto. Okay, we're going to respectfully disagree that I don't have the stomach right now, right now, to say I'm going to give up three big prospects for a one-year rental when I can sign the guy at the end of next season. I don't want to do that. And if you're telling me the price tag is going to be nothing, okay, I just I don't think that's the case. I don't think you're getting him for Vientos and Christian Scott. I don't. Do you? I mean, I no, but I would do that if that's the case. But and, and I think that <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I do speak for a lot of Mets fans though, because I think that a lot of Mets fans are out there thinking that we have we have Steve Cohen. He's got a ton of money, and he's just going to buy all these top level people again. And I think the ex, that's why I said the expectations have to be a little bit lower. You're right, Jordan Montgomery, Eduardo Rodriguez. If you get those two guys, that's a that's a solid off season. But they're still missing bats. They're still missing a lot of other things that need to be that need to happen. And if where you find you're gonna have to trade for them, 
there's no one in free agency. We talked about it. There's no one in free agency that's significant. That's why we talked about Alex Bregman, who's now being shopped around. I think that's somebody that you might have to really consider. It's interesting, and I, I forget who sent that email in the mailbag when we were talking about third base, suggesting Alex Bregman. I didn't think he'd be available, but it certainly sounds like he could be available. But it, I, I run into the same issue. And again, this is a me issue. It's not an every Met fan <laughs> issue. It's not a you, it's a me. <laughs> it's a me issue, I admit. I do not find trading for a guy with one year left of control to be that appealing right now. And that's not punting 2024. That's not not believing in the team. Okay, I don't want that to be construed as, what, you don't think they can be good this year? No, I I do. I just would rather build this team through the might of money, through free agency, through smart deals like that, as opposed to taking key pieces from my farm system and trading it away for a guy who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Alex Bregman is probably getting to free agency. Juan Soto is definitely getting to free agency. Shane Bieber, Corbin Burns, they're getting to free agency. All those guys are going to be available next year. So I want to do two things at once. Maybe I'm being selfish. I want to try to win in 2024 while simultaneously keeping the bulk of my farm system. And I think you could do that with smart free agent signings. But look, we all agree Yamamoto is the target. We'll see if they could pull it off and get him. And I think that'll change everybody's mood concerning this offseason and the other thing that's affecting I know it's affecting you is this idea of the Yankees getting guys who cares they're not in the same division I'm more bothered by the Braves getting guys I'm bothered by Dylan Cease going to Atlanta that'll bother me a hell of a lot more (laughs) oh by by the way the Braves just took uh, a former Met oh Penn Murphy yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, Penn Penn Murphy is going to have a great year out of the Brave bullpen after being claimed by every team in Major League Baseball. (laughs) Uh, Email us your thoughts. I know there's going to be many that disagree with me, disagree with Pete. That's totally fine. TheRicoB at gmail.com. TheRicoB at gmail.com. I will tell you something ironic. I haven't shared this on the air, but it's about Sean Morash and me and, and really how we started to know each other many years ago. You know Sean as being an annoying douche, obviously. I think we all know that. But we actually used to argue off air about something. And I'll tell you exactly what it was. Jacob DeGrom, before signing that extension, was having a brilliant season. And there was talk on our radio station about the Mets should trade him. The Mets should cash out on Jacob DeGrom. And at the time, Yankee fans were calling in, we should do it, we should do it. And there was all sorts of Yankee Met talk with the Yankees trade Glaber Torres, who at the time... Please remember where we were at that time to understand why the Yankee fan was refusing. (laughs) Miguel Andujar was another name that was being mentioned. And those were the two big ones. And I remember Mike even saying, I I can't trade Glaber. I can't do Glaber for John. I can't do that. And even Joe was like, you know what, bro? I got to tell you, I don't want to trade this guy, but you give me Andujar Glaber. I got to think about it. So it was very common annoying WFN topic because it did annoy me because I had no, as you know, I had no interest in trading the ground for anybody. So as these rumors are going on, Sean Morash, an obnoxious Yankee fan, is sitting in the newsroom. And I don't even know how this came up. He says to me, we get the Grom, Severino starting game one of the postseason. And I said, dude, you got to stop. I was like, I, I get it. Severino's tremendous, but the Grom's better. And we would argue the Grom versus Severino. And at the time it was, I I wouldn't say it was close, but it was considerably closer. Because remember, this is 2018. This is Severino with his second consecutive really good season. He's young. And here's DeGrom with like his first dominant, dominant, dominant season. And so we would argue Severino versus DeGrom. Obviously, within a year, Luis Severino is hurt. He's never pitching again. DeGrom's winning another Cy Young. And I would spike the football on his face over and over and over again for years. Because I don't forget. For years. DeGrom, uh, Severino over DeGrom. Schmuck. Severino over DeGrom. Severino over DeGrom. But here's where it ends badly. For all that talk after all of those years, the day DeGrom left, About a year ago now, right? It was a year ago. When I went into the radio station that day, the first face I saw was Sean Morash. And he had the most obnoxious grin on his face. And he just looked at me and said, how you doing? 
And I was like, you know what? You should go F yourself. Because that's below the belt. That's below the belt. So Sean and I's relationship really started on Luis Severino versus Jacob DeGrom. And here's the full circle. DeGrom's in Texas and Severino's on the Mets. So who knew it would work that way? Who knew? It's the funny part of life. Anyhow, we appreciate you listening and downloading. Again, you can email us, therecob at gmail.com. You can check out Hoff with BT and Sal Middays on the fan, me and Tiki 2 o'clock. We appreciate you listening and downloading and doing whatever the hell you do with Rico Baronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Baronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 